Radiolab is supported by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Radio Lab is supported by Mint Mobile. This spring, cleaning up your wireless bill is easy thanks to Mint Mobile. Right now, Mint Mobile is offering affordable premium wireless plans with unlimited talk, text, and data plans when you purchase a three-month plan. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan options, go to mintmobile.com slash radiolab. That's mintmobile.com slash radiolab. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month, for first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Hi, I'm Robert Krulwich. Radio Lab is supported by Casper. You spend one-third of your life sleeping, so you should be as comfortable as possible when you drift off. Get $50 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash radiolab and using code radiolab at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. Hi, I'm Robert Krulwich. Radio Lab is supported by Audible. As we learn more about the dark side of the Earth, check out Endurance, A Year in Space, A Lifetime of Discovery by Scott Kelly, the astronaut who spent a record-breaking year aboard the International Space Station, go to audible.com slash radiolab or text radiolab to 500-500 for a free 30-day trial and a free audiobook. New York City, we've got a live show coming up May 16th. We're doing a taping for a new show about sex, specifically sex ed. All those bad memories, we're going to turn them into good memories. Join longtime producer and host Molly Webster, along with a bunch of uh, writers and comedians and thinkers, for a night of debate, a night of stories, a night of nervous laughter. That's Wednesday, May 16th. It's going to be good. I'm going to be there. For tickets, go to radiolab.org slash sexed. That's radiolab.org slash sexed. Oh, wait, you're listening. Okay. Alright. Okay. Alright. <coughs> You're listening to Radio Lab. Radio Lab. From WNYC. Yeah. Alright. Howdy. Hi. Well, Robert and Jed, I think. Yes. Wow, are you actually in space right now? I am. Let me see if I can prove it to you. Here's a demonstration. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, so cool. <laughs> okay, we believe you. This is Radiolab, Jad, Robert. That guy that we were just talking to is named Mark Vanderhei, and what he did was he, to show us where he was, he, he tucked his neck down into his chest and spun. Like a space flip. It did a space flip. So we should explain, like, so yeah. this is one of the weirder things that has ha- ever happened to us. Um, Are you hearing me okay? A couple of weeks ago, we actually got to talk to this astronaut, Mark Vandehei, while he was in the International Space Station. Apparently, each astronaut in, at the space station can make one request to talk to an Earthling of their choice. And uh, for some reason, he chose us. Yeah. So how, how are you all? 
this is really exciting for me to get to talk to you. I've really enjoyed your uh, program. Like we actually got initially contacted by NASA. Uh, they told us to dial in the mission control at a certain time, and we did. And then they then connected us to him 200 miles up, and we could see him on our iPad as he was in space. <laughs> and so we spent, I don't know, like an hour. An enchanted hour, I'd say. Talking to him, asking him questions about what's it like up there, but mostly looking over his shoulder back at the Earth. He invited us to this little place that they have on the spaceship called the Cupola. There's, a re- there's one really big window here called the Cupola. We'll see if I can get you a good view. But, uh, it's basically a room with giant windows looking right down at the Earth. Straight down. So our best windows are ones that look straight down. So we just passed over the southern edge of Australia. At that time, it was nighttime in Australia. We're over the night side of the Earth right now. And you could barely see the Earth. It was just this big pool of black. No contours. No edges. So I'll check to see how long it'll be before the sun's shining on the earth below us. I'm going to open up one of the shutters. And that, that, that horizon you're seeing out there? He pointed out the window at this band of light that had just appeared in the dark. That's yeah. the sun coming over the horizon. So that's the, that's the horizon of the earth. It's kind of blasted out in this view. It doesn't show up very well. So then all of a sudden, like a few minutes later... Bam, everything changes really fast. The Earth just lit up. All the lights went on. You know, because they were going 17,000 miles an hour. And when you're going that fast, sunrise is basically instantaneous. Oh, wait. No, there's definitely a landmass here. I don't know if you can see it out there. See it? As we were talking, we zoomed over Australia, over the Pacific. Yeah, we're definitely over North America. In fact, uh, I can't tell what state, but we're in the uh, mid, mid-Rockies right now over the United States. Within just a couple minutes, felt like, the scenery out his window went from Rocky Mountains to somewhere near New York. Due north of New York, somewhere out there is where you guys are. Um, yeah, we're going to hit Europe soon, I'm sure. Then we were over the Atlantic. In fact, see how the sun is burning up the ocean there? The interplay of the sun and the ocean is really neat. You can see these patterns of light. He was pointing out all these sort of shimmering patterns on the ocean and these swirling cloud masses. And uh, as we were sort of screaming across the face of the earth, you know, and we were asking him all these mundane questions of like, how do you eat rice in space and things <laughs> like that? Well, at a certain point, we, we asked him, like, when you first got up there, what was most surprising to you? And uh, he started talking about the earth's atmosphere. I, I think, so, my first impression when I got up here was that it, that that thin layer of atmosphere is shockingly thin from up here. He says that it's funny to him, now that he's been up there for a while, to understand how close we all are to deep space. That the people who live on Earth are all actually under a very skinny protective wrapper. It's been described as less thick than the skin of an apple around an apple. All of us, just a few miles from the darkness. So it makes this this layer of space that we live in seem incredibly thin. The other thing that shocked me was how intensely black the blackness of space is compared to the sun of Earth. So it makes the Earth seem very, very isolated. It's, it's an interesting feeling. That's a feeling of uh, almost a little bit protected towards this spot. He says when he looks down at the Earth and he sees just that thin layer that separates us from space and all the blackness around it, 
He feels uh, protective. We just kind of wanted to share that because it was just this weird thing that happened to us randomly just a few weeks back. Well, actually, as cool as that was, just as, it's a, it's a it's an hors d'oeuvre to what another astronaut once told us. Yes, who wasn't the Lister? Definitely not. He, I don't think he knew when we called him. I don't think he had the faintest idea who he were. Well, that was a more of an official, formal, right? Sort of right. Yes. So for the rest of this podcast, we're actually going to play you another astronaut story that we ended up taking on stage as part of our In the Dark tour, which was. Back years in 12, ago. 2012, I think, mm-hmm. went to about 20 cities. This particular recording uh, happened in Seattle, I believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. I talk, you, should just, you should just push we, the we should go just, button. We should yeah. just play. Mm. So here it is. So for our final segment, we were thinking through this show. We thought, you know, who would have a really interesting perspective on darkness? Maybe somebody who works in, in, a, in a rich, dark environment. Astronauts, for example. Yeah. So we called up uh, NASA. Talked to an astronaut. We connected our little studio in New York to uh, their studio in D.C. to uh, talk to an astronaut, but he was a little late. And uh, here's the funny thing. When you are on hold with NASA, this is literally what you hear. <laughs> this has a blast-off feel to it. Yeah, it does. This is amazing. This, by the way, is literally the case. You dial 1-800-NASA or whatever, and they, this is like go-to-the-moon music. I, uh-oh. Hello? I hear someone breathing. Yeah, Can you hear me? It's probably I'm breathing. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> That's an interesting way to meet. So this is our guy, uh, Dave Wolf is his name. He's a NASA astronaut. I have been since uh, 1990, over 20 years. He wasn't really sure why we had called him. What, what's our topic here? So yeah. we explained to him that, you know, uh, we're doing this show called In the Dark. Uh, we're going to do it on stage in front of some very, very nice folks. Uh, do you have any stories that relate? And right off the bat, he says. You've triggered an interesting darkness story I have. Mm. Well, that's why we're calling you up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, you're, you're taping and you're ready. Yep. Darkness is an interesting theme in space because there's nowhere where the contrast between light and dark is any more extreme. Dave has done dozens of spacewalks, and he says there have been times when he's just sort of out there floating in space next to the craft, and maybe the, uh, the ship tilts a little bit, and the wing blocks light that's coming from the sun or the moon, and it creates a shadow. And he says the darkness of that shadow is blacker than any black you thought it could be <laughs> out there in space. The shadow has no light in it. There's not reflected light from dust in the air, the earth around you, or clouds. It's just pure, absolute dark. And you can reach into a shadow so deep, so black, that your arm can appear to disappear. Wow. Right in front of your face. Your head is in the bright light, and your arm is in this depth of darkness. And it's just gone? Like it's been cut off? Yeah. Wow. But I do want to tell you an experience I had in my first space walk. Late 97, I had this experience. Okay. It was from a Russian spacecraft. You might remember the Mir spacecraft. So Dave was up there, he was with two Russian cosmonauts, and he and Anatoly Solovyev, they were suited up, 
and getting ready to make their first walk into space, or his first walk. And we did all the preparations to get the suits ready, and we're in the airlock, and... The door opened, and they floated out. We clipped our tethers on outside. And he and Anatoly gently float to the worksite. And it was dark out, and dark up in space, means you're on the night side of the Earth, in the shadow of the Earth. And there were no external lights on this spacecraft. This was really, really dark. And we were over the ocean. And at night, that basically means you don't see the Earth. You don't see it at all? Not at all. When it's a, a moonless night, you don't see the Earth. In fact, all it might look like to you is the absence of stars. Now I want you to imagine this with me. He's up there in this darkness, and the Earth, with all of us on it, is somewhere far, far below him, but he can't see it. And all the while, and this is really important for what happens next, he is shooting through space. He's rocketing across the dark shadow of the Earth at five miles a second. That is 16 times the speed that we're all moving right now, because we are on the Earth. But he says at that moment he didn't feel any of that. It just felt like he was suspended in this cocoon of black. Floating gently. And he thought, all right. No problem. This is kind of peaceful. Because it was just me and the spacecraft and blackness. And suddenly... This blazing light. Blasts him from below. What was it? It was the sunrise. You know, because he and the ship were moving so quickly that the sunrise, which normally happens here on Earth very, very slowly, calmly, at that speed up there, the sun comes screaming from the eastern edge of the Earth straight across the Earth, lights up everything in seconds. And the Earth lights up below me. Suddenly I can look down 200 miles and see that we're moving at five miles per second. Oceans, whoosh. Clouds, whoosh, deserts, whoosh. And he was like, ah! And I clutched onto these handrails like there's no tomorrow, white-knuckled in my spacesuit gloves, because I suddenly had this enormous sense of height and speed. He says it was sort of like if you were just standing comfortably on the ground, and, and then some, someone just flips on the lights suddenly, and you realize, actually, I'm not on the ground. I am on a 400,000-foot ladder. <laughs> Crazier still, in that sunrise moment. The temperature all, all also increases by upwards of 400 degrees. In, in, in the moment? In the moment. Really? This is the most extreme thing I've ever heard. Are you air conditioned or, or whatever? Are you, are you, yeah. you are. We are totally dependent on that spacesuit. But the colors, what you're seeing on that Earth is so spectacular. The, the greens and blues and the delicate pastel-like colors and the contrast and the brights uh, are just uh, are present in, in anything I've ever seen other than up in space. Dave and his Russian buddy Anatoly, they're out there for hours doing repairs on the ship. So they are, because of their speed, they're going in and out and in and out of these days and nights. So it's 90 minutes of a light-dark cycle. So you have uh, 16 nights and 16 days for every Earth day. Which means as they're working, 
This change is happening over and over and over. Every 45 minutes, they go from blazing light to quiet dark. Blazing light to darkness. You can get lost. It, you get stories of people doing spacewalks that lose their orientation or feel like they're falling. And so he says the only thing to do in that circumstance is just to focus on your job. Look straight ahead, only at the screw, only at the screw. Don't look down, it's kind of, uh, it's, it's real in this business. <laughs> so, we would have been perfectly happy to uh, end the story right here, because Dave and Anatoly finished their repairs, job well done, they get ready to come back into the spacecraft. But we cannot not tell you what happens next. Yeah, because this, this flirts with a very different kind of darkness. Yeah. We'll continue with that story right after the break. Hi, I'm Robert Quilwich. Radiolab is supported by Casper. Talking about dark side of the earth reminds me of another dark place. That would be your bedroom with the lights off while you're sleeping. Very little feels better than crawling into a Casper bed knowing you're going to get a deep, restorative night's sleep. Casper offers a 100-night risk-free trial, and you'll get $50 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash radiolab and using code radiolab at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. Hi, I'm Robert Krolwich. Radiolab is supported by Audible. As we continue listening to this episode of The Dark Side of the Earth, Check out the stunning memoir, Endurance, A Year in Space, A Lifetime of Discovery by astronaut Scott Kelly. He spent a year aboard the International Space Station, and in this candid account, Kelly shares the experience few have had as he takes us on his journey navigating the extreme challenges of long-term spaceflight. Go to audible.com slash radiolab or text radiolab to 500-500 for a free 30-day trial and a free audiobook. This is Radio Lab. Let's continue now with our story from astronaut Dave Wolf that we performed live as part of our In the Dark tour in front of an audience of about 2,500 people. Uh, where we left off, Dave and his uh, cosmonaut friend Anatoly, they had just been out in space doing a spacewalk, repairing the uh, International Space Station, and they were about to come back in. So the two of them pull themselves by their tethers to come back into the airlock to go back in. But when it was time to come back in... They couldn't get back in. You were locked out of your spaceship? You could call it locked out. We, we were trapped outside, yes. Essentially, their airlock was busted. They, they couldn't repressurize it. And if you can't get it at the right pressure, you can't re-enter. No. And we worked on it for four or five hours and ran out our resources. And we Wait a second. Ran out of oh, yeah, we, oxygen or what? We have plenty of oxygen, it turns out. What you run out of first is your carbon dioxide scrubbing a unit that takes the CO2 out of your suit. And now the problem with this one is, usually in a space accident, you figure it'll only hurt for a moment. But when you die of CO2 intoxication, that drags out. That's not, that's a, that's a miserable way to go. What, is, what does he mean? Did you ever find I out? It up. Oh. What happens is first you get a headache, and then your muscles start to twitch. Eventually, your heartbeat starts to accelerate faster, faster, faster. You go into convulsions, and then you die. Luckily, 
the life support system has an extra cartridge. That gave us an extra six or so hours. We used all that mm. and uh, trying to fix the hatch and we couldn't get it to hold air. And uh, we were done. Did you know you were done? I mean, you were, were you Yeah, done? yeah, pretty much. And, and You mean done like in over? Yeah, yeah, no more ideas. <laughs> done like in dead. Mm. So, they decide, okay, we gotta do something. Last ditch maneuver, if we can't get our usual airlock to work, maybe we can make a new one. Because see, on the Mir space station, it's this big cylinder with these rectangular modules that jut out, and one of those modules is the airlock. But there are these adjacent ones, which are normally just uh, living quarters. They thought, well, if we can't get our usual airlock to pressurize at the right you know, pressure, maybe we can go to the next one over and uh, try and pressurize it. Essentially treating that next module in as a airlock, and we opened the hatch into that next module. And in order though to go into it, we had to disconnect our umbilicals because you can't close a hatch over your umbilical, right? right? And the umbilical was providing our cooling mm. to our suits. So as soon as we disconnected, well, that gives you maybe five, eight minutes at max. Before to, you, before you what? I don't even want to talk about it, it it's so bad. <laughs> Did you, did you look that up? Yeah, I looked this one up, too. Um, essentially, what happens is you boil inside your spacesuit. In a very ugly way. So, Dave and Ed totally think, okay, we've got to get through this tiny hatch into this room, and they've got to do it fast. But they also know... If you struggle hard and go too fast, you won't get much time at all in that suit before that heat builds up on you. So he thinks, okay, hurry, hurry, but slowly. What I did not anticipate was as soon as we disconnected our umbilicals that the visor would fog up <laughs> and you'd now be having to feel your so way you're through. blind? Yeah. You could spit and kind of get a little area through the, the fog. So uh, I'm in the airlock trying to make my way into the next section and I was crawling along the wall moving into the next section and uh, I spit on my visor, you know, to make a little hole to look through and get a hint. And it was an area I had been sleeping in some weeks before. And I had left a picture of my family taped with scotch tape on the wall. And I spit on the visor and I, my helmet light went there and there was this picture of my family. Right here in this moment as I was scooting across the wall in what was likely my last minutes. So this is how it's gonna end. So this is it. And it, look, it's so strange, there they are. And I look back at that and I shudder. Now, of course, Dave and his partner made it back into the space station, barely. But it didn't strike me really till months later on the Earth uh, how, how, how close that had been and uh, what a strange uh, situation. This Russian stress. guy must be your best friend. Like, like 
He must yeah, we be. Do you look have to each, probably we, call each other and say, we, like, 20 years later, you go, Ugh. Well, not many people have been through anything like that together oh and, and, and are there to talk about it. And you just reminded me of something. Uh, so we're going to leave you with one last story from Dave. He was kind of a story machine. Um, <laughs> This is uh, from that same stay in space, involves the same friend, Anatoly. They were out there doing some work on the ship, you know, floating in space again. And then uh, Mission Control radios and tells them to pause for a while. We had a period where we had to wait through the night to go on with our work. So he says, look, David, uh, it was all in Russian, of course. I wanted to show you something. And we hooked our tethers on, pushed ourselves about six feet away. We had about six feet of tether so that our eyes couldn't see anything but out in space. And I, I, I turned my air conditioner down a little, you know, so it was kind of warm. And I was floating in this spacesuit, just looking out into the blackness of space. And I felt like I didn't have a spacesuit on. It was so comfortable. The air temperature was just right. I felt like I was just out in the universe, in the stars. I couldn't see anything but stars all around me, and I couldn't feel anything. Outside of spacecraft going five miles per second out in the universe. Was that what he wanted to show you? Yeah, I think so. This is his rocking chair on the front porch thing. Or a hammock almost. He didn't want to talk. He said, let's just be quiet, turn your helmet light off so you don't get any reflected light. Just uh, uh, relax. Raslabavayat. Relax. 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 been there in the theater, this is the moment where we gave everybody a little pinpoint of light, a little hand-carried star that they could put over their heads and wave together. It was like this canopy of stars. Yeah. Special thanks to the musicians that you hear playing with us on stage, Tao Wynn and Jason Sloda. And uh, well, that's it for now. Yeah. I'm Chad Abumrad. I'm Robert Krolich. Thanks for listening. This is Valerie calling from Washington, D.C. Radio Lab was created by Jad Abumrad and is produced by Soren Wheeler. Dylan Keefe is our director of sound design. Maria Matasar Padilla is our managing director. Our staff includes Simon Adler, Maggie Bartolomeo, Becca Bressler, Rachel Cusick, David Gebel, Bethel Hopti, Tracy Hunt, Matt Keelty, Robert Krolwich, Annie McEwen, Latif Nasser, Melissa O'Donnell, Ariane Wack, 
Pat Walters, and Molly Webster, with help from Amanda Aronchik, Shima Oliyai, Jake Arlo, and Reed Kanan. Our fact checker is Michelle Harris. Hi, I'm Robert Quilwich. Radio Lab is supported by Casper. Not only do they make outrageously comfortable mattresses, they also offer pillows and sheets and duvets and more, all to make your bed even more inviting and more comfortable. Get $50 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash radiolab and using code radiolab at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. Hi, I'm Robert Krulwich. Radio Lab is supported by Audible. Check out the stunning memoir, Endurance, A Year in Space, A Lifetime of Discovery by astronaut Scott Kelly. He spent a year aboard the International Space Station, and in this candid account, Kelly shares the experience few have had as he takes us on his journey navigating the extreme challenges of long-term spaceflight. Go to audible.com slash radiolab or text radiolab to 500-500 for a free 30-day trial and a free audiobook.